0: But I think as developers, it's really nice to be able to explore the various paths you can take and see where it takes you. Because like I spent the last two years going down a developer advocacy track. I've got so many opportunities from it, from networking to speaking to meeting people. It's just like wonderful And then it's been a really good two years and I'm starting to be at a point where I'm like, I'm ready to go back like cable (laughs) saying that happens a lot where I spent two years doing this and I'm like, this has been great, but I really miss writing code full time.
1: Bandwidth for Changelog is provided by Fastly. Learn more at Fastly.com. We move fast and fix things here at Changelog because of Rollbar. Check them out at Rollbar.com. And we're hosted on Linode cloud servers. Head to Linode.com slash Changelog. This episode of JS Party is brought to you by Rollbar. Deploy with confidence more often. Spend less time worrying and more time on improving your code. You can feel safe knowing every error is reported in real time with Rollbar. Check them out at Rollbar.com.
2: Welcome, everyone. You're listening to JS Party, a weekly celebration of JavaScript and the web we've been dreaming up our next game show episode this time we're playing front end feud so we need your help the game relies on public opinion so we have a survey for you to take it's fun not lame i promise and we're giving away a free JS Party t-shirt to one lucky participant so check it out help us out at jsparty.fm slash ff once again jsparty.fm slash ff okay let's get into it hey it's party time y'all
3: Hello, welcome, JS Party people. We are here for another exciting week of a party with JavaScript. So uh, first, let me introduce the panel. Uh, I'm Nick. I'll be hosting today. And with me is Amel. Amel, how's it going?
4: So happy to be here, Nick. Anytime I get to be an old lady about tech (laughs) is a good day. So you're going to get to be an old lady today and say,
0: you know what, when I was young... (laughs)
3: And with us as well is Divya. Divya, how's it going?
0: Hello, hello. It's going great.
3: Awesome. And K Ball, welcome. Welcome back.
5: I'm excited. I'm happy to be here. Happy it worked. And the old lady speaks to me. I just was having a conversation with a coworker, <laughs> and he said to me, You realize we're the old fogies now, right?
4: Yeah. Yeah. No, I was just like a- when I went like looking at your photo, not photo, your little box on my screen made me realize I have an old man partner in the room. And I think that's K-Ball. <laughs> K-Ball is like, he's like real <laughs> old man. I'm like a fake old lady. You know, I'm like old in spirit, but maybe not in actuality. I'm, old old old. I'm about <laughs> <only> 39. <laughs> well, well, yeah, you're well, you're. Yeah, you're definitely older than me. But at the same time, it doesn't even not even age. Like, I think you've been doing this longer than I have for sure. I probably twice as long because I've been in this for like almost a decade. And my guess is you have like been longer. I'm,
5: I'm at what, about 16 years. I think. Yeah,
4: no, for sure. So, you know, that's and that's big. exponential because tech is like, you know, like uh, compound interest rates. Like, you know, the longer you've been here, like, <laughs> your first year <laughs> is not equivalent to the second year is not equivalent to the third year. Right. It's all it's all mm-hmm. exponential. So, yeah. so you in dog years, you're like super old. <laughs>
3: So as you can guess today, we are going to be talking about careers and career progression. And so we do have a wide range of, of um, experience on this podcast, I think. I've been in for about 11 years and um, I mean, I graduated 11 years ago and got my first job then. And um, we're all kind of at maybe different areas and we've, we've definitely gone through a lot of progression on a career in tech. And so let's just kind of jump into it and get started. Um, does anyone want to share like how they got started into the field? I can go
5: because I have a little bit of a non-traditional. I didn't major in computer science. I did a little bit of coding as a part of uh, both in high school out of interest and in college as a part of a physics degree. Uh, But I certainly was not a software developer. And when I graduated college, I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I knew it sure wasn't what my degree was in. And I moved to the Bay Area for a girl and started looking around for work and bumbled through a few things, including substitute teaching and doing test prep stuff for folks and mentoring and that type of thing before I landed at a small tech startup working essentially doing QA. It was performance-oriented QA, but it was essentially QA. And it was very manual to begin with and didn't have that much technical knowledge required to start, but it gave me a place to start learning. And so my path to software engineer was within that role, I started learning how to script in order to write test harnesses and automate the tests that we were doing and extend the tests. And then I started digging into how do our products actually work and what's the software behind that and talking with people. And by the time I left that, I had made contributions to the core product. I was running all of these advanced automated tests. I'd learned how to code in, I think, three different languages. And sort of kind of got through that and then my the next job that i ended up getting was actually officially as a software engineer and went there but that that took on the order of three years to kind of go through that progression Um, and i've talked to a lot of people who are kind of non-traditional backgrounds getting in and i think that story is useful because you really don't need to jump straight to a software engineering position even if you've gone through a boot camp if you're having trouble finding a pure software position just get your feet on the ground somewhere in the industry. You get a QA position, you get something else. Uh, I have a friend who's a coder now who started off doing customer assistance at a tech company. And he was focused on that. And he moved into operations. And so he had to learn SQL and be able to deal with their data. And then he started self-teaching coding. And he, he went. Once you get in the door at tech companies, the opportunities are there if you're motivated.
4: Oh, yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't agree with you more, Kevin. For me... The best developers I've worked with have come in through different roles, specifically support and QA. Like they especially support people who came in from the support world. They make the best software engineers because they have extreme user empathy. You know, and that's something I pride myself on. Like every product owner I work with is like, oh, my God, I like you're such a like advocate for the user. I'm like, yeah, we should be jumping hoops to make the user's life easier, not the other way around. You know, and so like. And, and support engineers or support technicians or whatever, like even folks who've worked in customer service, like they get that empathy factor. And so like, it's just such a great segue into tech. And for me, like the whole notion of like software engineer is the only job in tech is complete BS because like for every software engineer, there's like n number of peripheral roles that need to support that person's work and output, like both on the input side and the output side. Meaning that there's things that are upstream from that person's work, like product people and user experience researchers and designers and this and that. And then there's all this downstream work, right, with QA and support and product, like the release engineering. And, you know, there's just so many things to do in this industry. And I think Kevin's advice is, or k is advice, people are like, who's Kevin? Who's Kevin? Like, K-Ball, as you may all know him? Not Kevin, like K-Ball's advice is just so spot on. Like, just get your foot in the door if you're having trouble landing that first, like, quote unquote, engineering job. Like, here's a dirty little secret, I'll tell you. Engineering is problem solving and product managers and anybody who solves a problem is engineering. Right. It's just engineering Mm -hmm. through code is a specific way to solve a problem. But the reality is like, you're always solving problems. And like, if you're interested in solving problems in the tech industry or in a tech role, like it's not just limited to software engineers.
3: Yeah, and with that coming in as like just a straight software engineer, you might be solving a problem that no one has. Like it's it's definitely about getting that empathy and understanding the problem and then coming in. And not like, you know, developer experience is great, but users really don't care about that.
4: Yeah. That's true. Which is exactly, if you are in the, I would call it an elite class, right? Because I consider people who make, no, really, people who make tools for developers, I consider them to be in a very elite class because I think developers are like the hardest customer, harder harder they're the hardest customers in the world. And what happens, especially for like me, like I'll give you a recent example, like, you know, NPM wasn't the first time developers were my customer, but NPM was the most recent example you know, I'm upstream from people that are upstream from other people. <laughs> you know what I mean? So when like we break something, we break all the builds, right? <laughs> and like when all the, all the builds are broken, all the customers are angry, right? Like, so like there's like layers of like how high you are. And for me, like bugs in Visual Studio Code, for example, are very different than bugs in like Zoom, right?
0: Yeah, as someone who works in developer tool, tooling space it is true that developers are hard customers it's, it's sort of like it's very high highs and very low lows if you think about it because if you do have a win like people love it and developers are very much like this is awesome they might not give you their money because developers tend to not give you money but um they will give you high praise over
4: they all want sh- they want stuff for free
0: yeah it's true that's the annoying part but at the same time it's like when things are good people they're likely to like tweet about it or say it's great not always but sometimes and then uh, when things are bad you'll get a deluge of just like posts on oh
4: yeah no it's the worst and it's oh yeah no just look at yeah. npm support on twitter to like get an example of that but but, yeah. but, but also but really like just to take a tangent because you know tangents are awesome and this is js party after all what would we what would this be without tangents but like the whole developers like don't like paying for things is kind of it's kind of broken to 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 some degree right like yeah sure free and open source software for the win but at the same time like software that has services behind it like like that costs money to make and operate and like i think the vc startup freemium model has kind of creeped into our culture in a way that's very unhealthy right like i have no problem paying for good software in fact i'm like always when anytime i buy a license for something including sublime by the way how many of you have keep hitting like have you know hit hit that like whatever button on sublime like just buy that one time this is a
0: free version yeah buy that
4: one time seventy dollar lifetime license like trust me like you know like Get your boss to pay for it. Whatever. Yeah. Like we just have this culture of not wanting to pay for stuff, and I I think it can be sometimes problematic because it's just not sustainable, you know.
3: Mm-hmm. Plus, you're always fighting the the instinct of not invented here. I could do that myself, Gross. and it'll it'll be better, of course, right? Yeah, yeah.
5: You, yeah. It's definitely so,
3: not, but you have to fight against that. Exactly.
5: Yeah. You raise kind of an interesting direction when we talk about open source, especially in the context of thinking about career progression. Mm-hmm. Because right? open source is, on the one hand, an extremely valuable way to sort of boot yourself up those initial steps in the ladder if you're having trouble getting an entrance. right? If you're having trouble finding your first position or you're stuck somewhere and you're trying to figure out how do I build my skills and move myself up, open source has tremendous opportunities there. It also has potentially tremendous opportunities to get visibility in terms of getting yourself in front of people, maybe getting the chance to speak at conferences, things like that. On the other hand, in terms of remuneration, it's very poor. And it's not always clear that open source development can translate directly into those very lucrative jobs. There's a number of stories going around of folks who get who are trying to get find lucrative jobs at the big tech companies have incredible open source track records and the companies say nah we're not interested
4: yeah i mean the motivations for contributing to open source really need to be checked right like i think it all kind of comes down to like like what why are you doing this and just make sure that regardless of what happens like you know the outcome is not gonna sway your initial like like like, you have to be clear about why you're doing this and what you want to get out of this, right? Essentially, is what I'm saying. And when it comes to open source, you know, whether it, if it's like, hey, I'm writing this thing because I want to build in the open and I don't really care what happens. is very different than, like, I want to be Twitter famous and, like, or it is very different than, like, I'm trying to get a job and build up my GitHub resume. Is very, you know, it's very famous than, like, sorry, it's very different than, like, I'm trying to do open source software development for a living and I, I want to, you know, Like all of those motivations are very different and like it's, you have to just be very intentional and clear about, I think that for yourself before you start, because otherwise it's like a heartbreaking disappointment. Like
5: that intentionality is a really interesting one.
4: When we start talking about career. advancement. Yeah. Thanks for keep bringing us back on track. I'm like, I'm like getting, taking (laughs) us everywhere today. And K-Ball is like reeling it in. So I'm going to just.
5: I'll we'll try. We'll try. I'm gonna stick to the agenda. I'll, I'll harness your energy. You're you're <laughs> the engine and I'll be the steering wheel.
4: Sounds um, good. So and Nick will be the chassis, Divya will be the like sparkles or something <laughs> on the car. I don't know. Divya, you're so fun. I'm so happy sparkles. to be back on a podcast with you.
0: <laughs> I'm the pump squad yeah. here to <laughs> She's she's but, the so fun that's... factor.
4: Divya's the fun factor is what I'm trying to say.
5: Yeah. <laughs> I think Divya can give us a really interesting insight into some of the ways in which progression is not maybe the right turn because, like, I think a lot of times we view progression as a ladder, right? Like, I go to this, then Mm -hmm. I go to that, then I go to that. Each step is higher than the next. But I think, honestly, for me, it's more valuable to think about it as a journey where you have choices of directions Mm -hmm. you can go. Um, And why I bring up Divya is uh, your experience, both as a developer and then as a developer advocate which are two yeah. sort of parallel tracks where there are people who go back and forth between them like yourself mm-hmm. i'm curious yeah. how you think about career trajectory and and how you've approached it
0: yeah i think that's actually a really good good point and something i think about a lot because i think um so i was on the developer track for a number of years and then in the, two years ago moved towards more of a developer advocate sort of track and to me, they like K-Ball was mentioning, it is parallel. <laughs> like I know people like to conflate the two, but they are sort of different because they lead to different things. And, and at the beginning, of course, I didn't see that as much because at the beginning I was like, oh, they're kind of the same. But then the more you're in it, the more you're like, okay, when you're going down the developer advocacy track, your interests and focus are slightly different. They're not as product-focused as you are, like if you're a traditional software engineer or so on. And it's, it's interesting, because I saw that as like my move to developer advocacy as a a way to grow a certain skill set that I didn't have the time to grow when I was a software engineer, purely. And for me, it was an, like, I did it as an experiment. Like, I know this sounds callous, but it was an experiment. And I think it's actually really good to do that. Like, it can be boring to just follow a track like I'm going to go from A to B to C to D and some people like that because it's it's just clear. Like in the military, for example, people who stay in the military track, they really like that because it's really clear as to what you will progress to. You know where you're going to be in 20 years. It's sort of this iron rice bowl type mentality, which some people like. But I think as developers, it's really nice to be able to explore the various paths you can take and see where it takes you because like, I spent the last two years going down a developer advocacy track. I've got so many opportunities from it, from networking to speaking to meeting people. It's just like wonderful. And then it's been a really good two years and I'm starting to be at a point where I'm like, I'm ready to go back, like Cable (laughs) saying that happens a lot, um, where I spent two years doing this and I'm like, this has been great, but I really miss writing code full time and so like, that's a move I'm making back. And it's interesting because in the beginning, when I was thinking about it, I actually fear like I had this fear that I had moved and completely deviated and it was impossible to go back. And like, this is a legitimate fear I <laughs> had because I was like, I haven't done like I haven't worked on a product team for like the last two years. Well, I did rotation. So like kind of, but not fully. So it was only like a short-term thing. It was not like, you know, you get it. And so the fear was like, can I go back? Like, am I going back to square one? Like, do I have to go back to being like a junior engineer and then like work my way up or intermediate level maybe at best and then like kind of prove my worth again? And like after talking to a bunch of people and within Netlify, everyone is really supportive. I realized that that's actually not true, that you're not regressing by choosing a different path. You just have a different skill set. that can be useful. So for instance, the things I learned as being a developer advocate, which is like presenting and like confidently talking about things that are very technical, in a way that is understandable to people, which which Amal, you do really well, because you give like tech talks that are really in depth, and are super understandable. And I think that's a skill that is super useful for engineers because when you come back to the team, it means that you're able to speak intelligently to requirements within the team. You're also able to speak to stakeholders really well, which I think like I honestly didn't think about that until like I'm currently on a product team and like that's something I'm doing, which I wouldn't have done two years ago because I just wouldn't have known to do that. But now I'm like, I have the skills to be able to like present key points as to like the project trajectory. What are we working on? What are we moving towards? And like speak both at a very in-depth technical level and then speak at a higher level as well and sort of cover that. I think that's really cool because now you're like more on a path to like, it's it's a seniority, right? Like it's not like you regressed, you brought the skills with you and then you're continuing on. Like you were mentioning with like being a support engineer, you're an advocate for support for users. And so I think that's a really interesting way to think about it.
5: It's a circle. Even within engineering, mm-hmm. those communication skills become more and more and more important the further up the progression you yeah. rise. Oh, um, yeah. I, I want to actually dig into another point you, you mentioned there, though, which is this fear of transitioning between paths. Yeah. Um, And I'm going to shoot over with a question to Amel. I think another area where people have this fear is around taking on management roles.
4: Oh, boy. Yeah, "Yeah, I knew this was coming. (laughs) Yeah,
5: yeah. I'm curious about this. I want to do this. It seems like a natural progression. But if I do this, will I ever be able to go back to being an engineer? And I know you've recently gone through exactly that, go over, be a manager. Now you're back to more of a pure engineering role. I see, yeah. Uh, Can you kind of talk through what, both the differences and also what the transitions are like, going from one to the other and back again.
4: Yeah, absolutely, and I, I want to come back to some things that Divya said. Because I think there's like a wealth of information that would be phenomenal to dig, like to come back to. So I'm going to put a pin in that. Um, to answer your question, you know, this kind of pendulum experience that I've gone through recently, going from an engineering manager to like a principal engineer. And then Divya also kind of going from like developer advocate to developer, luckily within the same company. So she's able to kind of keep that domain expertise and like actually use it to her advantage, which is kind of what she's, you know, alluded to. But, you know, for me, it's just been like, whoa, absolutely. Like it sucked, like going from a super senior engineer, like tech lead to a junior engineering manager. Right. So there was this huge transition that I made being a manager. We're like, okay, great, like I, I have all of these other skills, right? So remember earlier I said it's a wheel, it's a circle. Like I kind of think of all of the skill sets that you need to be good in this industry, for example, as being something that can be represented on a circular pizza wheel, right? And like if we think of like coding as like one or two slices, right? And architecture is another one and like leading teams is one, right? Like I was really good at a lot of that, right? But then when it comes to some of these other things around management, I don't even know if it's even in the same pizza pie, quite frankly. I almost think that's like a different pizza pie, right, Um, where there's some overlap, but really, like, it's more of a Venn diagram, right? And to kind of go back to tie into Divya, because I just want to keep coming back to what Divya was talking about. It's so deep. Like, to, to kind of tie this back to what Divya was saying, like, you know, I think, like, developer advocate is also its own pizza pie, but with a Venn Venn diagram overlap, right? And so for me, I've always kind of thought about careers as this like the more, like the different, the more you have exposure to different company sizes, different team sizes, different industries, it's like this onion of experience that you're building up. And each of those unique experiences gives you a lot of like just nuggets to walk away with, right? Like working in a startup that's successful and high growth Like, you learn so much about, like, how to scale teams and how to scale processes, how to deal with change management, you know? Working at a startup that's failing, you learn, like, all the things not to do, right? Like, working at an enterprise company that's slow or stable, or, like, there's so many different things that you take from all these different experiences. And I think, like, that is, like, ultimately, like, that's the collectiveness of your career, right? Like, it's, like, all the experiences that you've had, all the, like, the good, bad, and whatever, like put together, right? And that's why I think people who've had different types of experiences, whether it's different job roles, different industries, especially folks who are coming into tech from a previous life, like they have so much that they're bringing to the table. And I often see that as like undervalued quite frankly. Um, But to kind of get back to the question, like, yeah, I was, this pendulum move was scary for me the first time, like in the sense that like being a new manager was scary. I was really like, oh, my God, like, what am I going to do? Like, I'm going to suck at this. I'm not good at this anymore. And it was a lot of like, it was a huge mental shift because it wasn't my job to be the best engineer in the room anymore. You know what I mean? It wasn't my job to be the best. It was my job to facilitate my team to be the best engineers that they could be. And like, that is something that takes a while getting used to, right? It's not something that you're going to instantly like it's my instinct to just hop on a problem and solve it and come up with a solution and just be like done. Right. (laughs) Like it's, but it's not my instinct to like hold back my solution so that I can hear other people's first. Does that make sense? Like I know I can do this better than you, faster than you, whatever, but this, it's not my job to do it anymore. It's, my job to teach you how I would do it or it's my job to like help facilitate like that experience so that you can get to a point that like right where like you are better than me or whatever right like it's a very different shift um so I think that was that was interesting and then like the decision for me going back into a principal engineer role was one that was definitely driven by lots of reasons including burnout from being a manager um going through a very crazy acquisition and it was like the most difficult place to be a new manager at at, especially at the time that I like, I joined npm during the most crazy period of its life, and so I was pretty burnt out from that. And I was like, "Hell no, I am not going to be a manager again. And if I am, I have to do it somewhere where I believe I'm going to be set up for success, and I can institute change, and I have civility, and like, and for me, that had to be at a company where I already like knew my way around as an engineer, and I could like move into that role not having to learn everything again." So similar to what Divya is doing, okay, Divya is like, all right, I really know Netlify. I know the product. Now going into an engineering role, I don't have to learn everything, right? Like I can just focus on the code pieces. And so like similar to that, like if I am ever a manager again, it is hopefully going to be at a company that is not new to me where I am not learning everything all at once. But yeah, but like being in IC again is like just super natural to me, so This hasn't been challenging, but what I can say is that spending some time as a manager has made me a better IC, like by far, like I know how to escalate. I know when to escalate. I know like what's expected of me. I know how to communicate. Like I wrangle, I, you know, so my manager, like I'm less headache for him and also at the same time, more headache, right? Because (laughs) like, I'm like a manager. (laughs) (laughs) That's a long answer.
3: (laughs) I think the big takeaway from this section so far is that there's a lot that you can bring to the table with outside experience, whether that be from a different career, a different experience, being a user before working on a product or being a manager of the engineers that work on a product Mm -hmm. and then going back to it.
1: This episode is brought to you by DigitalOcean Droplets, managed Kubernetes, managed databases, spaces, object storage, volume block storage, advanced networking like virtual private clouds and cloud firewalls, developer tooling like the robust API and CLI to make sure you can interact with your infrastructure the way you want to. DigitalOcean is designed for developers and built for businesses. Join over 150,000 businesses that develop, manage, and scale their applications with DigitalOcean. Ocean. Head to do.co slash changelog to get started with a $100 credit. Again, do.co slash changelog.
3: chatting careers here on JS Party. And uh, there was something that Divya said that Amel wanted to follow up on. Amel, what was that? Why, thank
4: you, Nick. So what I wanted to follow up on was quite literally everything she said. But in the interest of time, I'm going to try to limit that scope to two things, (laughs) two big things. So the first one is the smaller one is, um, you know, she kind of like alluded to the fact that like you know, she is, you know, maybe either was stagnated or bored or wanted a new challenge, you know, really loves her company and the team that she works with, but at the same time, like, wanted to do something else. And I just wanted to encourage everyone to feel free to not only do the same, but also remember that you are the best advocate for your needs and your career growth. Right. And so, and there's like and you should continually, I mean, at least this is this sounds um, this is definitely a personal a value so I don't want to preach uh, a personal value but like strive for continuous improvement right and growth in the sense that if you're coasting a little too long as a, as a software engineer that's earlier in their career right if you feel like oh, all right cool I got this like time for a new challenge right um whether that's um leading a, a new initiative or a project for your team or whether that's taking on more responsibilities whether that's switching teams like just keep growing like don't stagnate. This is an industry that really is very unforgiving to stagnation. And um, you know, just make sure that you're like advocating for your growth and that you are looking and like being proactive about seeking opportunities for growth, right? And just, you know, your manager isn't necessarily going to automatically do that, right? And so just remember that you are the um continuous factor in your own life, right? Like you're the person that has been with you at every job, right? So you know what your story is. You know what your path should be, right? So just kind of make sure to be your own advocate. Um, so that's one thing.
3: That's not as comforting as I think you mean it to be.
4: Really? Yeah. It probably sounds scary <laughs> and like a little bit psychopathy. Well, I think
5: there's there's a piece of that that I think is really worth digging into, which is I think a lot of folks feel uncertain about where mm-hmm. they want to go. Totally. Um and what they want to do
4: that's a good segue to my second point
5: (laughs) okay (laughs) yeah I think you know when we talk about you being the owner of your career progression that's why that can feel really scary right because it's not clear what that means or even like where should I be going and so I think you know after you dig into Divya for one more more point (laughs) it would be well worth our kind of fleshing out things that we have found both in terms of like helping understand the options available and also like tactics and tools we've found useful for navigating that because oh yeah like i still don't know what i want to be when i grow up right like me neither doing it but there's a lot of things i've discovered along the way about aspects i like goals that i have pieces that have helped me guide that even without a crystal clear vision of where i'm going
4: yeah, yeah, no, Kevin. I think that is like segment number three. That is like what we should dig into <laughs> for segment number three because the next topic I'm gonna talk to about is something I think we can definitely focus on for the rest of the segment, which is ultimately the fact that our industry, in many many ways, right? This isn't necessarily. I want to call this a failure. It isn't necessarily a failure, right? Because the industry is so young as a whole, like tech, and a lot of what we do is like. Like my job didn't exist, you know, forty years ago, right? Or thirty years ago. Like my 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 exact job didn't exist like five years ago, for example, not even, right? Like, let alone like like the roles and responsibilities and how like our processes have changed, right? So the industry being so young has led to this like basically I would say we don't have a uniform career ladder, right? And and so in the and then the and then the Silicon Valley, like Culture that isn't necessarily the healthiest, right? Has like taken the lead on defining career ladders. And, you know, so, okay, cool. We have things now beyond senior software engineer. But for a lot of companies, small and big, believe it or not, like senior software engineer is kind of like where things cap, cap out, right? Like staff engineers, senior staff, principal, architect, like, you know, those are not necessarily things that exist. And so ultimately for me, it's about like really making sure anywhere I go, right? At this point, I'm senior enough in my career or like anywhere I go, like they need to have a well-defined career ladder and one that is parallel in the sense that like, if people are interested in doing technical management, they have a parallel track that starts like at the principal level and above where like an engineering manager is kind of like my sibling, right? But like I am in charge as a principal engineer, I am in charge of a group of teams backlogs, right? Like teams backlogs, like it's not just my backlog. It's like, okay, like here's a group of teams that like we're like shepherding and guiding, et cetera. And I have org wide influence even just beyond the scope of teams that I'm managing. But like a manager, you know, like can go up a different, a different track. And as an, as a principal engineer, I can keep going up another track, you know, whether that's senior principal architect, et cetera. Right. So, so there just has to be growth beyond senior software engineer. And that's just not uniform in our industry. And it's just, it's a main, it's a major pain point. Like that is a real thing because you see these huge bands where like you have one person that's been in in the industry for like 15 years that has the same title as somebody who's been in the industry for five and a half. And that's just a little awkward for me because like that title doesn't actually accurately represent the skills that that other person has, you know, the, the one that's more senior, you know? So with that, I rest my case. I'd love to hear from you, Nick and K-Ball and Divya. Like,
3: Do you think that that lack of, of a consistency for, for the more technical side drives more people to think about the engineering side of it or the people side of it more? And if not, where does, where does one go once they feel like they've gotten senior enough?
4: I would say yes. I'd love to hear from K-Ball. K-Ball's been around like the game a lot longer than I have. What do you think?
5: So I actually, I mean, it depends, it depends a lot. I have a possibly a slightly skewed version on this because I've almost entirely worked at companies where, or worked as a consultant where in both cases, it was very early stage companies where they did not have super well-defined career ladders or as a consultant where you're kind of owning yourself. I think a bigger question is, is the company uh, organized in such a way and having uh, ambition in such a way that there's actually the scope for you to keep going up that. Um, You know, the company I'm working at now had a very senior person decide to leave. And the reason was, this is a very ambitious, extremely talented, you know, top of the field engineer. And the type of engineering scope that he was trying to achieve was no longer available because we're in a stage where we've got a lot of the fundamental, like he's a zero to one guy, right? Like he wants to own a thing that's gonna go from zero to massive. And having done that here, he's looking for his next version of that, which that's totally legit. And as you you kind of look up, like that's the type of scope and scale, like he's able to do that because he succeeded, right? And we've got the thing and it's working and we're rolling. So if, as you're looking and there, there are similar questions around team, right? Like if you want to level up so that you're leading a team, are there teams for you to lead, right? Or is that already filled? Like exactly. um, like when you think about the structure of a company, you need to look for, is it creating space for you to grow in the ways that you want to grow? And that's, you know, that's one of the reasons why I think for, for career progression, a lot of times big companies can be very helpful because they just have so many things where there is space.
4: They have have the structure in
5: place, yeah. And the other thing is uh, startups that are growing faster than they have the skills for now. Um, And that could be because they're growing very fast or it could be because they're very early or what have you. But basically places where there is more to be done and more scope to be had than there are people to do it. And so you can kind of grow in whatever direction you want. Um, And... So yeah, coming back to this question about like, is there a clear trajectory? It can definitely help if there's clarity, but I think much more than having that clear like job title progression, it's what are the types of responsibilities and scope and ownership that are available and how do those match in the to the areas in which you want to grow?
4: Yeah, yeah, Divya, I see you foaming at the mouth. I want to hear from you. I, I have so much to say on this.
0: It's a really good point because I think one of the things that Sometimes people think that they have to move companies because they're like, usually it's like, I'm unsatisfied here, I'm burnt out. Or like, I want to do something different. But I think it's a really interesting way of looking at it, which is the way you mentioned it, K-Ball, which I feel is a a very healthy and reason... Like, not to say that other reasons are unreasonable, but this is a different way of looking at it, where you're the champion of your career trajectory. I think sometimes people stay at companies because they're comfortable, like Amal was saying. And that's fine, but if you know what you want and you know what's next for you and the place that you're at isn't going to offer you that, then that's actually a good reason to leave, to be like, let me go find something else. And also maybe if you're able to identify the type of things that you enjoy doing. So if you're someone who is like a small startup person who likes to build and own things and take them from zero to one not necessarily scale but just build very quickly and the company grows and is no longer that early stage then maybe you're like I like early stage and you jump to the next early stage thing and you just keep doing that it's because that's something that you enjoy doing and I think people often like yeah it, it, I think it's very common to just see yourself going through the titles as a way of progression but a different way of looking at it is what do you want to work on and what will grow your skills or or how do you want to grow your own skills? So for example, I've been working on front-end like for a long time and that's been my focus, but I'm realizing that I've actually never worked extensively in my professional career on back-end stuff. And I'm like, that's actually sort of a black hole sometimes because I'm like, unless it's in JavaScript, I have no idea what what that's like and I'm getting a lot of the experience now like I had to write a bunch of Rust code and figure out how to like manage my Docker containers and run tests in a separate environment and that's a whole other experience that I'm realizing I've been not privy to because I've focused so much and it's a sense of like stepping back and being like okay what else is there and how else can I deepen my knowledge because it's, it's also sort of an exploration right going back to a previous point point it's exploring like okay let me go try this for a while and then who knows like you might do it and hate it but then you have the knowledge now that you hate it rather than never knowing a thing because you focus so much on the career trajectory that you're going down and like the titles and not wanting to lose that track so I think it's just a different way of thinking about it it's you know, it's, yeah.
4: Yeah. Yeah. I I want to plus a million on everything you said. And like, I don't know, like it just, again, it brings back to your own advocate point. Right. Like, and also for me, me, like the whole continual growth means like, quite frankly, I'm always a little uncomfortable, right? Like I'm always learning something Mm. new, something that makes me uncomfortable, something that shifts my, my landscape my cheese is always moving you know to kind of use that analogy of like who moved my cheese right and i think for me the whole rounding up your skills like front end back end data whatever like you know like that is like a really good way to also grow at the same company right so like if you've been writing front end code for two years time to get uncomfortable like go write some back end code right like oh uh, you like go learn about how are you, the data and like Backend is not the same as data. Like data is its own beast to like learn and and Mm -hmm. learn well. Uh, A lot of our performance problems come from badly designed like databases and Mm -hmm. data schemes. So, you know, it deserves its own kind of space in your brain. And, you know, you can like go learn about data, go learn about pipelines, go learn about cloud, go learn about like, you know, data pipelines. Like there's so many ways you can round out your skills and actually stay within the same company as well. And so Divya, I'm so happy to hear that you're doing that.
0: Yeah, because it's just a matter of like, I mean, I didn't think that I just you always assume that you are hired for X role and you stay in X role. And when that role no longer fits you, you leave and you find another role in a different company. And honestly, this is the first job where I've been like, I really like it here. Like, this is great. I like the product. I believe in the mission. Like, is there anything else that, like, is there another team that I could find?
4: And it's high growth.
0: Yeah, it's about growth. And No, it's high
4: growth. Like the company's growing, which means there's going to be continually new things for you to do.
0: For sure. I think it's also like, I mean, to Cable's point, it it matters as to the company that you're at. Because some companies, they don't offer you those opportunities. They're like, you know, we have, five back-end people we have five front-end people we have two devops people whatever and that's the structure that we're always going to be and if you're a front-end person who's like i want to do back-end they're like no your role is to do front-end and that's what you're going to do and in those situations then yes like if you want to explore something else and you're not given the opportunity sure leave but if you can find an opportunity and i'm not advocating for like stay always at the same company and never move but i'm just saying like it's just I think the opportunity for you to try something you're not familiar with within a company is higher because people know you. So you don't interview for those roles. Like if you interview for a back-end role, (laughs) you're not a back-end engineer. Like, I don't know, like there's a chance you're never going to get through that process.
4: Yeah, yeah. It's, It's such a good point. So take advantage of the fact that you have domain expertise you've built up credibility. Yeah. You're allowed to slay a little bit. Like the business has shown that you are valuable or whatever, right? Like you've proven your worth, so to say, like, even though that's, that's another, that's yeah. another problematic thing, but like, you know, that's just the reality, like, unfortunately. yeah. Uh, but yeah, no. So to just kind of quickly round out this point, um, I wanted to just um, add to something that table um, said earlier to Nick's question, which is like, what i see happen with people going into management is that like a lot of times there isn't another way for them to get more like to get a promotion right so like what they do is they take the best quote-unquote coder and then they'll just throw like they'll throw her at like into management they'll be like hey you best coder you're now a manager lead this team or whatever and like maybe she didn't want to do that right like but that's the only way that like they're able to get that career progression. And what happens is you have a bunch of really bad managers in, in engineering, especially like I, there are more bad managers than good ones in, in tech. And that's a lot of times because people either aren't trained or this wasn't their passion, et cetera. Um, so for people who really like communication, process, mentoring, please, 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 please consider becoming a manager because we need you. We need people who want to do this and want to do it well because like trust me like even when I was a manager like okay I'm a good engineer don't get me wrong but like I always felt like my skills like leading the team and focus like working with stakeholders and mentoring like I felt like I was always interested in stuff that other people weren't and so therefore I always felt like I could be replaced on the engineering side but not so much everything else. Does that make sense? So there's like 20 people Mm -hmm. who could code better than me but not like barely anyone that could do all of the other stuff as good as me. Right. So, 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 so just, if if that's your passion, if that's, if that's Mm -hmm. what you like, I would encourage you to like lean into it and please like save us from the horrible world of technical managers that like (laughs) is the reality for most of us today.
0: Yeah. I think also like you mentioned this earlier, but the general track that people assume is you're an engineer, you become senior and then you become manager, which I think is not true. And I was reading an article like that was posted a couple of days ago by Tanya Riley. And she's actually a phenomenal engineer. And she's someone who has chosen not to go down the manager track. Like she's been an engineer for a while. She's built up like a very strong skill set and she's stayed technical. So she's essentially a tech lead and I'll post the article in the show notes, just like a way in which you can stay technical and go down a technical track to like principal level engineer and you're leading and architecting projects at that point, but you're not managing people, you're managing the project, right? And the direction of that project, which is very different because honestly, like you you, being a manager is almost just managing the people, like you're sort of managing the projects, so to speak, but you're mostly just making sure that everyone is efficient. And that doesn't require a lot of like technical competence really.
1: What's up, JS Party people? Have you ever wondered if you could be offering a faster, less buggy experience for your customers? Well, with Raygun Error and Performance Monitoring, you have all the information you need at your fingertips to quickly find and fix errors and performance issues across your tech stack down to the line of code. Raygun makes it easy to monitor the impact of your performance improvements, quickly identify issues across web and mobile apps, and see how your code performs in the hands of your customers. This saves you time, this saves you money, and this saves your sanity. Head to raygun.com to join thousands of customers and took software teams who use raygun every single day. Again, raygun.com to give them a try with a free 14-day trial.
5: So let's come back to this question of how do we think about managing our own career trajectories? What are some of the options out there? What are some of the directions? Um, I have some thoughts that I found really useful, uh, but that I'd also really love to hear what y'all have found useful. Um, I think one thing that I've personally found useful and that I've also found when I'm mentoring folks is very useful for them is kind of stepping back and explicitly thinking about your goals and not just your goals in a job, but like, what are you trying to get to? What's important to you? Is wealth important to you? Like, do you come from a background where you know getting to financial stability or even getting to financial abundance is extremely important? What about freedom? I have a, a friend who spent five years working as a freelancer, building up a clientele where each of his clients were Totally happy to communicate asynchronously and had lots of work that was not super deadline driven. So he then took that and spent a year and a half traveling around the world as a digital nomad. And he told me, I have deliberately optimized my work and my life so that I can decide at every moment, do I want to be working this hour or not? And he was extremely successful with that. He optimized for this travel and freedom aspect. Other aspects, like, are you going to optimize for influence? or ownership. That has different implications. Maybe that implies you want to work at a smaller company rather than a bigger company because you can touch more things. Other areas that you might be interested in? I know multiple people who are professional musicians who support themselves with a the day job coding. It's tremendously more lucrative than waiting tables. I know another guy who's a professional actor who does the same thing. Right? Like you can have many different goals about where you want to take your life and those can have very different implications for the type of career trajectory you want to take and what types of things you want to optimize for. So that's that's kind of the first place I'd love to start is thinking about goals. And I'm I'm curious where what you all think about what some of your goals were and what other tools you use to help map out your career trajectories.
4: I want to hear from Nick.
3: Can we hear from Nick? Oh man, I'm the worst one at this cuz I really
4: don't know. <laughs> you you just you just live, you just wake up and you're just like all right, let's look at my Git history for yesterday. Where did I leave things off? <laughs> <It's>
3: well, just... <laughs> and, and that's definitely true in, uh, in you know 2020 right now. It's it's just, yeah, is it, how do mo- I get is it to mon- tomorrow?
4: Monday or Sunday <laughs> or like, what day is yeah. it in 2020? I don't know. Time is flat. Time is a flat, flat thing these days.
3: I think I'm at a point in my career where I, I'm trying to decide what I want to do um, because I do feel like I have pretty good skills on the more social side, talking about code, simplifying code. And then I don't know. I feel like I'm an okay developer and do I want to try and keep going technical? Do I want to go the more managerial route? I worry about things like ageism maybe in tech and how that might affect me later on. Like, will I still be writing react components or whatever, whatever the new thing is in, in 2050 or whatever. Right. It's there's, I don't really know how I, I keep thinking too far out, I think, and not close enough. And I'm just, especially right now, living day to day, trying to just have fun and, and learn new things and challenge myself. But it's all mm-hmm. just technical challenges that are very much related to the problem set that I see in my immediate future.
4: Yeah. How about you, Divya?
0: Yeah, that's a really good point. I, I think it's, it's actually really, I have similar sentiments in terms of like a lot of uncertainty as to like where to go which if you talked to me like two months ago I I was there and I kind of still am like I think I was joking it might have been on JS Party or maybe some other thing where I was like I'm going through a career crisis now Mm -hmm. I'm just like I don't know what what I'm doing and like and this is when I was a developer experience engineer where I was like I don't know if this is the direction I want to go in and like I sort of don't know still but the thing that I usually try to emulate is I try to look at people in the industry that I look up to and then sort of see where they came from or like what was their path like I'm not trying to copy paths or anything because everyone's path is different but to get ideas as to like various directions that people took to get to where they are that I think is interesting I'm like oh this person is a principal engineer that's cool how did they get there and then I look at their history because usually via LinkedIn it's kind of weird but um, the one time I use it or sometimes like they might write a blog post about it and you read it just to like get a sense of that and figure out like what you want for yourself and it might not give you all the answers like for example I still am like, do I want to work for a company like Google? Who knows? Like right now, I'm just like, that seems like huge and crazy. And I don't know if I want to be at such a giant organization where I'm a small fly. But yeah, like you don't know those um, answers. But I think it's useful to do the research or just like keep looking. And also like talking to people, I think is one thing that um, I was told is useful. Just like if you don't know what you want to do, like talk to someone who, you know, like a peer or someone who you know in the industry and they're always willing to say like hey this is what i think or whatever and people have opinions all the time and sometimes it's annoying to hear people's opinions but i think sometimes it's also useful because you're like okay you can synthesize it and then throw it away if you don't care about it or like take it into account if you do um just to get more knowledge because there's never a right answer. Like there are times in my career where I do wish that there was a path for me. Like my brother is in the Air Force and he's been in the Air Force for 10 years and there's been just a path that he's taken. And I'm jealous of that. Like there are times when I'm just like, it's, it must be nice to just not have to think about what's next. I mean, he's at a point where he's thinking about what's next. But like in general, you, when you're in that path,
4: yeah but but in all fairness that that clarity of career has come with a lot of other trade-offs though right in the sense that like when you're in some for of sure military, yeah the amount of flexibility and free thought and like the like the yeah, direction yeah. that you yeah, can yeah. have with your career of course right? yeah. so so that rigidity comes with or like that clarity of path comes with like extreme rigidity and like that is a trade-off like you have yes, to decide yes, yes. what kind of a communicator are you where are you happiest you know yeah like, all that jazz um but yeah I hear you on, on being jealous,
5: hearing both of you say you feel extremely uncertain. Can I share a a sort of approach or tool that I used at times when I've been in that boat?
4: Teach us, teach us K-ball, give (laughs) us the wisdom.
5: (laughs) I don't remember where I got this from, but two layers. So I have a Google sheet, a spreadsheet that is called K-ball work priorities. Mm. And I just have a list. It has, um, three columns okay the first one is considerations the second one is important where i have a simple one two three ranking scale where one means this is important or good uh and two means medium i it's it's valuable but not crazy important um and three is either it's not important or bad for me and then i have Mm -hmm. a third column which is just for like type or considerations like if there's a different way of thinking about it so and then start by just throwing down like what are the different aspects of different jobs or things that I might care about. So I have schedule flexibility, a sane work schedule, learning and growth, team, salary, commute, vacation, open source time and opportunities, opportunities for other extras, writing, speaking and teaching opportunities, leadership opportunities, networking opportunities, impact. And then just, I mean, I would start with don't even think about which ones are the most important. Just think about the different characteristics you might care about throw them down keep it dynamic so you can always add things and then say what's most important to you like for me the the four that i've marked as the most important or good are schedule flexibility a sane work schedule learning and growth in the team and then everything else that's on that list that i just named salary commute etc is medium important but it's not like this is the most important thing one other small nuance i have on there is like for like salary The way I describe it is it has there's a threshold and then a slow rise, right? Like there is a threshold that must be met. If you're not going to pay me anything, I'm not going to work for you. Uh, And I have a bar. And then like if you're paying me more above that bar, that's good. But it doesn't make that big of a difference in my choices. And that's the bar that it takes to sustain
4: my life in the way that I want it. Similarly for commute. That's so that's so nice. That really helps you not be emotional about things, you know? i love it like yeah like giving these things different weights and it just like it's kind of like you should do that when you're buying a house so that like you have your exact criteria and like you know what the house needs to have at minimum before you you know otherwise you walk in and you get emotional you know, the 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 they they've staged the the house really beautifully, and you get all emotional and right. It's the same thing like with companies. Like it really has to fit the bill, like on you know on the things that y- you really want and doing that objectively, like the way K Ball's doing. That's like phenomenal. That's
5: really great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it can start super scrappy too. Like I later ended up fleshing out into like sentences describing what I was looking for in those things because you know there was mm-hmm. a while I was running my own business, working as a consultant, teaching, doing things. Right. I was very happy with that. People kept offering me jobs and I wanted something where I could just send it to them and say, okay, here are the conditions where I would consider a job with you over what I'm doing now. And they were very high. That's a very high bar. Uh, and some of them are flexible, some of them are not. Mm-hmm. But like that exercise can help you think about what is really important to you and are you getting what's really important to you where you are and then you can start taking the steps of okay if i'm not how do i get to where i can take get those things and i think divya your point about talking to people can help expand your awareness of like what even are those considerations like you may Before I met my friend who traveled around the world, I never even thought about the possibility of could I set things up so that I would never have to get on a phone call with a coworker or a client so that I could be in whatever time zone, wherever, or on a plane or whatever at any time of day. Mm -hmm. Like that's mind boggling to me. And now I kind of wish I'd known that earlier before I had family (laughs) and stuff that tie me down in other ways. (laughs) Wow.
4: If I could turn back time, right? (laughs) if i could find all right i'll 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 stop singing now and by the way for any i don't know what i sound (laughs) like not my singing voice i'm in vermont dear listeners and i didn't bring a like travel mic or anything so i apologize if my sound quality is extra bad i apologize but you sound good oh good i'm glad i don't know what i sound like so i would say um to answer your question for me nick like i for me it's just I, i have a longer term goal of like being an entrepreneur and like I'm very much like entrepreneur I'm Mm. I'm entrepreneur in training in -hmm. the sense that like I don't necessarily want to be my own CTO but like at some point I will have to be and so that's kind of I've just been working towards Mm. building the skills to like be a CTO like so I have a very specific goal Mm. and you know I just want to be able to like run and understand all aspects of like how to build software and like and I've just had a lot of mentors and uh, people who I've been able to lean on for d- different areas of expertise. And I, and I, I would say that the, the closing note on this for me is like talk to different people, similar to what Divya said. Like it's really like annoying to hear other people's perspective sometimes because they try to like sway you or what it's different than yours. Yeah. But that difference in value. And like when you disagree with somebody, like you should really try to dig into why. right? Because Understanding why you disagree with them actually just highlights something about you, you know? And so just like keep that in mind. Mm-hmm. And so I would say uh, advice is like resta- recycled nostalgia, I think. And that's not, I can't take credit for coming up with that. That's from the sunscreen song. It's a wonderful song for people who were growing up in the 90s. We'll link that in the show notes. It's called sun- the sunscreen song. And if you don't know it, then I'm sorry but you should totally not you should, you should listen to it after this song it's not an actual song it's like advice to a sa- on a soundtrack it's like it's awesome is this it's
0: like an american thing
4: this is definitely an american thing but this was global I, I i'm an american but i grew up in dubai the first time i heard the sunscreen okay. song i was like a child in dubai so divya get, everybody's
0: but, free to wear sunscreen is that the one yes
4: but trust me on the sunscreen <laughs> it's like such a great song anyways We'll link it and like I'll I'll end it there. So, what other other words of wisdom are in the sunscreen song? <laughs> Divius listening to it now.
0: Right. <laughs> I I'm I'm just like trying not to play it. I just found it and I was like I'm gonna play it on my phone, but then it's gonna pick up for I those of us who were,
5: were in high school in the '90s.
4: Oh my god! Dating Come myself on. here. Come on.
5: This this was going around it at like. Every time you got around to graduation.
4: So. Yeah. Wait, what was it? The nice. class of so ninety nine like or
0: something? I don't remember what it was.
3: It's, it's your vitamin D to our vitamin C graduation
4: song.
0: Whoa. Well, Basically. I think vitamin yes. C's graduation was yes. like Yeah, I think that was my elementary school graduation.
4: Oh my something. god, Divya. Yeah. Yeah. How old are you? Like twelve? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> like anyways. Not to <laughs> Yeah. You just you just look at right. Okay, got it. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I do. I have the Asian genes. (laughs) It's okay. I have the African genes. Yeah, I'm told it would be great when I'm 40 or 50. It'll come in handy. Now it just sucks, (laughs) but it's fine.
4: All
3: right, we will wrap there. Thank you so much for, for the great conversation about career progression and wear your sunscreen.
2: The topic for this episode was requested by Adrian in the JS Party channel in our community Slack he was listening to the live recording of our conversation with Ahmad Nasri and said that an episode on career progressions would be pretty cool. So here it is. Hope you enjoyed it, Adrian. Good things happen when you hang with us in Slack. Get started today at changelog.com community. Quick reminder, please take that front end feud survey. Early feedback says it's actually fun, which is weird, I know, for a survey. That's at jsparty.fm slash ff. We appreciate it. This episode was hosted by Nick Neesey with panelists Amel, Divya, and K-Ball. It was produced by me, Jared, and the music is provided by the Beat Freak, Freakmaster Cylinder. We're brought to you by awesome sponsors. Shout out to Fastly, Linode, and Rollbar, and a brand new sponsor, Raygun. Welcome to the show. That's all we have for you this week. We'll talk to you next time.